tonight as well. Well, Brother Josh needs no introduction. This dear brother has uh, blessed my soul for many, many years. Uh, we have been very close down to the years, and he's my brother. And uh, I, I look up to him many ways. And so, uh, Brother Josh, break the bread of life for us, sir. God bless you, brother. Obey God. Boy, howdy. That was good. Yeah. I, Go I think I did, too. <laughs> get a little bit of feedback. Maybe turn this one off. Um, Galatians chapter 6 is where I'm going to be at tonight. Galatians chapter number 6. I tell you, I'm thankful for that old-fashioned singing. I don't know about you, but... Well, I was about to have me a Baptist fit back there, amen. Here's all I can do to sit still. I'm glad I had stuff in my lap, boy. Songs about the blood, amen. You, you, you just can't replace songs about the blood of Jesus. Lord, have mercy. Churches nowadays, they're ripping the, the choir lofts out. They're, they're replacing it with rock and roll and everything else, with lights and smoke and all this stuff. And it's an attraction to the world. But I tell you what, that's manufactured stuff. What you got right here tonight on this Labor Day evening at Danieltown Baptist Church is good old-fashioned Holy Ghost filled revival singing and preaching. Amen. There's no other place I'd rather be tonight than in the house of God with you. That's better than what the devil had picked out for me tonight. Amen. Glory to God. I love old-fashioned singing. I want to thank Evangelist Justin uh, Baker. Is that right? I want to thank him for coming uh, to sing and, and minister our, to our hearts tonight. And I tell you, glory to God. That makes me want to preach a little while. Is that all right with y'all? Hey, man. I, but I, that's, that's singing you can get behind and just preach a little bit. Woo! Y'all just y'all stay calm now. I'm, I'm a Baptist, okay? But y'all stay calm. We just, we're just talking about the blood of Jesus, amen. Woo! Glory to God. Listen, I've had this, uh, this message has been on my heart for, I don't know, a few weeks now. And you can ask my wife, I've been preaching, what, 10 years almost? And I still get nervous every time I go to preach, and that's a good thing. It lets me know that I'm filled with the Holy Ghost, amen. I want to preach on a simple thought tonight, and typically I'm not a topical preacher, but it's okay, I'm an old-fashioned, independent, fundamental, King James only, let me say that again, independent, independent Baptist King James only Baptist preacher. So you're going to get some good preaching tonight, amen, with the help of God, with the help of the Holy Ghost. Amen. I want to preach on a simple thought. Here it is. It's help a brother out. Amen. Help a brother out. So uh, if, you, if you're able to stand, I'd ask you to please stand. I won't be long. Uh, we've got three verses. And this is what I'd like to do, church. I'm going to start. We're going to start in verse verse number 1. And then we're going to read through verse 1, 2, and 3. We're all, going to, we're all going to say it aloud together, okay? Galatians chapter 6, verse 1. If you have your place, please say amen. 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 The Word of God says, Brethren, if a man be taken, overtaken in a fault, ye which are spiritual, restore such an one in the spirit of meekness, considering thyself, lest thou also be tempted... Bear ye one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. For if a man think himself to be something, when he is nothing, he deceiveth himself. You may be seated. That sounded great, church. I love it. I love the unison. I love the unity. 
So the Bible says in Galatians right here, for brethren, to, uh, brethren, it's like this. He, uh, that in, in the epistle written to the church at Galatia, Paul's writing and he's saying, brethren. Who's the brethren? That's us. That's the church. He said, if a man be overtaken in a fault, ye which are spiritual, restore one another in the spirit of meekness, considering thyself, lest thou be tempted. Bear ye one another... Uh, bear you one another's burdens so that you fulfill the law of Christ. For if a man think, of him, uh, think himself to be something, when he is nothing, he deceiveth himself. I want you to think a little bit about where I might be going with our topic tonight. You see, this is revival. And understand that revival comes from God. You can't manufacture it. But two things must happen before we can ever receive it. Number one, get right with God. Number two, get right with each other. These two things can be hindered by pride. My question tonight to ask yourself is, who is willing to take the first step? So when the Bible says, so fulfill the law of Christ, what's he talking about? What's the law of Christ? Well, the answer can be found in Luke 10, 27. The Bible says, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy strength, with all thy mind, and thy neighbor as thyself. You want to fulfill the law of Christ? It starts with the heart. You see, we, we, we get so wrapped up in this go-and-do mentality where I've got to do, 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 I've got to go, 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 I've got to prove myself to others whenever it's actually putting the, heart, the, the cart before the horse. You see, until your heart gets right, all the rest is religion. All the rest is just for man to see. Until your heart gets right, until you do it with a good, clean, pure heart, the rest is so, hey, look at me, I'm a good Christian. I do these things so others can see me. I do these things to earn a merit or a stature in my community. I do these things to uh, appease people, to make the church approve of me. You see, the, the law of Christ is simply this, to love God and to love others. You got, you got to get your heart right. All right? Now, follow me. I'm building up to this, okay? Self-righteousness. That's, that's the issue here. It's self-righteousness. Self-righteousness, simply put, is a distorted view of yourself and the other person. I'm going to say that again. Self-righteousness is a distorted view of yourself and the other person. If you look at somebody and they sin in a certain way or they're doing a certain thing and you, and you look down on them, you've already got a distorted view of yourself because you ain't as good as what you think you really are. And they're not as bad as what you, what, what they think, what you think that they really are. Now watch me. I'm going somewhere with this. Y'all hold on, okay? I'm going for the jugular real soon, all right? James 3, 2 says this. For in many things we offend all. If any man offend, offend not in word, the same is a perfect man, and able also to bridle the whole body. Put simply, if we can control our speech, we can control the rest of the areas of our life. Okay? I don't want to sound some, like some kind of prosperity gospel person to where I say, 
you know, if I speak it to existence, it'll happen. No, it's, it's quite the opposite. If I, can tr if I can control what I say, that proves that I have self-control in other areas of my life. Watch it. I'm going somewhere with this. In Titus 3.2, it says, To speak evil of no man, to be no brawlers, but gentle, showing all meekness unto men. Put simply, Christians are told to speak evil of no one. Lay aside all evil speakings. If you've got a problem with, with, with somebody in the church, now remember, this is revival. This is for church folk. The Bible gives clear instructions what to do. This is all introduction. Bear with me. Matthew 18, 15 through 17 says, Moreover, if thy brother shall trespass against thee, go and tell him... They didn't say go and tell everybody. Go tell this person. Go tell your little clique you sit with over here. Go gossip about them on Facebook. It says go and tell him his fault between thee and him alone. And him alone. You, them, and God. If someone's done you wrong, tell them. Listen, I've seen, I've seen churches restored because people would say, People would come by and grab somebody's hand, lead them down to the altar, and they don't even know why they're being led. And they'll say, Brother so-and-so, sister so-and-so, I know you don't know this, but God's been dealing with my heart, and I've got a spirit of bitterness and jealousy against you. I know you didn't know about it, but this is for me, not for you. Let's pray. I've seen churches literally come up and boom out of nowhere because they did just this. They did exactly what the Bible said to do. Oh my, if we can just get back to what the Bible says, what thus saith the Lord, and stop trying to manufacture something, then we can get right with God and we can get right with each other. I told you I'm going somewhere with this. Follow along. The Bible says in the next verse, verse 16, But if, if he hear not thee, then take thee two or three more. And then the mouth of two or three witnesses, every word be established. If you go to the brother or sister that's done you wrong, or you got a spirit of bitterness, or whatever it may be, and you do just that, and they, and they still are hateful towards you, and they don't want to receive you, it didn't say, okay, now go run to Facebook. It didn't say, okay, now go run to your little click. Okay, now I'll go gossip about them. No, 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 no. What you, want, what you need to do was the same Galatians... It says, Brethren, if a man be overtaken a fault, ye which are spiritual, go find some spiritual men of God in the church house and say, Listen, I've got an issue, or this brother has fallen in an issue, this, this sister's fallen in sin, or I've got an issue with this, and they're not hearing me. I need some mature men and women of God to come with me and pray over this brother and sister. Okay? Watch, watch I'm going somewhere with this. At that point, they can be reconciled to God. Verse 17, and if he shall neglect to hear them then, tell it unto the church. So, okay, I've done went, they don't hear me. Me and some spiritual men and women have went, they don't hear me. Now we're going to stand up from the church. Church, we're begging and pleading the blood of Jesus over, over this life, over this person that's fallen in sin. We need to come up and pray. We don't need to kick them down. We need to help a brother out. We need to help this person. We need, we need this person to find restoration. That's the third step. And if they don't hear you then, what does it say? But if he neglect to hear the church, let him be unto thee 
as, doesn't say he is one, or she is one, as a heathen man and a publican. Here, here it is. Whenever you find someone that's fallen in sin, whether it's yourself or someone else, go, go to them or find somebody that will pray for you and keep you accountable. If, if you're in a sin or in an addiction, whether it be drugs, pornography, alcohol, whatever, whatever the case may be, go to someone, I beg you, and have somebody pray with you. And there is so much power in prayer. I believe the reason why we are not seeing revival here in America especially is because people are not praying. There is no unity. Instead, it's gossip has replaced it and prayer is no longer around. Amen? So I have to ask the question. This is all introduction. We're getting there. What constitutes a sinful slander? Number one is gossip. That simply means to rumor or talk about the person or personal, personnel, sensational or an intimate nature. Uh, number two is, is a rumor. That's an unverified information of uncertain origin usually spread by word of mouth or hearsay. Number three is slander, the utterance of defamatory statements injurious to the reputation of the well-being of others. You know what I've learned in my 10 years of ministry? Is not everybody's going to like you. Amen. Not everybody's going to agree with what you say. Not everybody's going to want to get on the same boat you're on. So you know what? They're, they're going to try to control you. They're going to try to manipulate you. And you want to know what they're going to do whenever they cannot control you, when they cannot manipulate you? They're going to go to others and they're going to do their very best to control and to manipulate them into see, seeing you in a way that you're really not. They're going to try to control and 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 manipulate your reputation. They're going to try to make others think things about you that are not true. It's crazy. I learn stuff about me that I didn't know almost every day. Really? Tell me more. Where'd that come from? Don't even know who that is, amen. That's the ministry, amen. That, and listen, uh, a friend of mine told me years ago, a pastor friend of mine told me years ago, if you're going to be able to stick it out, you've got to grow some alligator skin, amen. It's, it's got to be tough. It's got to be thick. Because people are going to cut you or they're going to try to in every which way that they can. Christian, can I say to you here in this present hour in 2020 that they're doing the same thing to you? They're going to try to come after you. They're going to come after your Jesus. They're going to come after everything that you stand for. They're going to come after your King James Bible. They're going to come after the songs about the blood. And they're going to try to control you and make you feel bad because you're so old-fashioned. You're so conservative. You're what's wrong with American Christianity. You're what's wrong. You're the reason why people can't come to Christ. Well, I'm here to tell you, they're out there and they're preaching another Jesus that is not in my Bible. They're doing things in a manufactured way that is not in my Bible. They're talking about a different way of salvation that's not in my Bible. Bless God, I'm going to stick with the old time way. I'm going to stick with this King James Bible. I'm going to stick with the blood of Jesus. I'm going to stick with the old songs of faith. Amen. And I'm going to get right in there and I'm going to get right with God and I'm going to love God and I'm going to love others regardless
regardless of what anybody says about me, about my church, or about my Savior, amen, I'm not going to back down come hell or high water. I'm going to stand straight in your face and tell you how it is because I have the anointing and the authority of the Lord Jesus Christ in my life, amen, and where, and I'm filled with the Holy Ghost, amen, and whenever the time comes and I don't get filled with the Holy Ghost, sin comes in my, in my life, I can repent, I can confess my sins, I can get right with God, I can stand right back up and look you right in the face and tell you that you're wrong. Amen. That is the difference. That's the difference. Slander. Backbite, number four. To speak spitefully or slanderously about a person. Number five, a talebearer. A person who spreads malicious stories or gossip. Is it me or am I... Can, can we just put... Uh, can we put beside all this definition, i.e. Baptist... I.e. Baptist. I.e. Baptist. Is it, is, it, is it just me here tonight? Number six is to rail, which is to adem or attack in bitter, harsh, or, or abusive language. Number seven is to revile, and that means to denounce with abusive language. So, that constitutes a sinful slander. Well, here, here's what to do. We talked about what not to do. Let's talk about what to do. We want revival, right? Let's find out what to do. Number one, quit. Quit backbiting. You got an issue with somebody, come to them. Have the backbone with love, with love to tell people, hey, I've heard about this. I don't know if it's true. I don't care if it's true. Only God knows. But let's pray anyway. Let's pray anyway. I would receive that. You would receive that so much better than, oh, I heard you was out drinking the other night at, I don't know, Harris Racetrack. What you doing out there doing, look, looking like that? That's not how you get them, folk. That ain't how you get them. And I'm just throwing out examples here. You want, you want revival? You've got to have a gentle nature. You which are spiritual. Before you go around trying to help the next person, make sure you're right with God. It comes down to cleanliness. Live clean. Live right. Before, before you can live clean, don't even try. I'm not, I'm not preaching the doctrine of, of sinless perfection here tonight. We all stumble, we all fall. Thank God for a blood that has a pleasant, uh, present cleansing, amen. It's an up-to-date cleansing, amen. He went up on the cross of Calvary 2,000 years ago. Thank God he don't have to crawl back up there again. Amen. Once and for all, whenever He bled on the cross of Calvary, He died for my sin, your sin, past, present, and future. Amen. Amen. Live right. Number two, quick gossiping. The, the church house is just that. It's the house of God. It's where we come, to, to, it's where we come together as a called-out ecclesia, as an autonomous group. Okay, these are big words. Let me dumb it down. It's where we come together as a church to worship corporately. To worship. I want to know about your day. I want to know about the things going on in your life. I want to be involved in your life outside the church house, praise God. Hey, I believe that, that when every time the doors open, we should, we should be at the church. I'm talking about, hey, if there's a cockfight at the church, bless God, you best bring a show and a roosters, amen. 
Hey, I, I thank God for the local New Testament church. I believe that we should be here every time the doors is open. But when the doors is open, we're not here to gossip about one another, to get out information from one another, just so we can go back to our little click and just say, okay, here, this is, this is who that person is. I know you don't want to get to know them. Let me, let, me, let me paint a picture for you. Number three, start the encouragement. Start the encouragement. Now, I don't want to sound like one of those prosperity guys. I keep circling right back to them. But listen, I don't know about you, but the world already lets me know that I'm not wanted. The world already lets me know that I'm just a pilgrim and I'm a stranger here. I'm just passing through. They let me know I'm a weirdo for Jesus. Amen. They let me know that I don't belong. So whenever I come here, I need, to, I need to be reminded that I do belong with other groups of believers, like-minded believers that believe the same things that I do, that are going through the same struggles as I'm going through. And I just need a little bit of encouragement sometimes, amen? And I'm not talking about all this uh, yippy-yappy, you know, 12 ste steps to this, that, and the other uh, necessarily. I'm talking about good old-fashioned encouragement. If it comes by way of chastisement, so be it. But I do need some kind of encouragement. Uh, no, number four is, is start restoration. Now let me explain this one to y'all because uh, a lot of times us Baptists don't even know what that truly means. Verse number two in, 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 our, in our text in Galatians 6, 2 says, Bear ye one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. If you've got a brother or sister that's going through a hard time, do what you can to help them. I'm not necessarily meaning financially. If, if God has, has given to you to, to, so that you can bless others, please do so. But be there for them. Be there for I can't tell you how many times growing up in youth group, I would call my youth pastor at like 1 or 2 in the morning over stuff that I was going through at, at, at home or whatever at, at school. And he picked up every time. He had a family. But he still, he, he bore my burden. I can't tell you how many times in my church, uh, that I could go to a brother and be like, Hey, brother, I'm struggling here. Really? I had that same problem two years ago. Let's talk about it. Let's talk about it. You see what I'm saying? That's restoration. See, what it is is you've got to be restored sometimes. sometimes. Sometimes you need to be picked right back up. Let me say this. You ain't done a sin so nasty that God cannot restore. You ain't done nothing so wicked and so vile that the blood of Jesus cannot cover. Amen? That's my Jesus. And it's time that us Baptists remind the next, the next man and woman of that. Because a lot of times we look down our long nose and we forget about all the skeletons in our closet and we want to keep that door shut and kick it back while the whole time we're pointing at you. Look, I can't believe you do this. I can't believe you do it. Well, bless God, why don't we open up this whole thing? They're not going to do it because they're bitter. Don't be bitter. It starts with your heart. That's all introduction. I'm moving on. Number one tonight, and help a brother out. I want to say tonight we need to help a brother out of hell. Amen. What is hell, Brother Josh? Hell is a place. Amen. Hell is a real place. Yes, it's not something in your mind, in your subconscious, to when you die, your subconscious goes. It is a real, literal place that you will go to if you do not know the Lord Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Amen. It is an eternal 
place for those that are not born again into the body of Christ. It is a real place for people that have rejected God and are unrepented. What's the Bible say about this place? I'm glad you asked. Luke 16, And it came to pass that the beggar died and was carried by the angels into Abraham's bosom. The rich man also died and was buried. And in hell he lifted up his eyes, being in torments. And he saved Abraham afar off and Lazarus in his bosom. And he cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me. Send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue for I am tormented in this flame. But Abraham said, Son, remember that thou in thy lifetime Receivest thy good things, and likewise Lazarus' evil things. But now he is comforted, and thou art tormented. And beside all this, between us is a great gulf fixed, so that they which could pass from hence to you cannot, neither can they pass to us that would come from thence. Then he said, I pray thee therefore, Father, that thou wouldest send him to my father's house, for I have five brethren, that he may testify unto them, lest they come into this place of torment. Hell is a real place. It's a place of torment. It's a place of weeping and gnashing of teeth. Whenever the rich man is in hell, he, lift, he lifted up his eyes and he asked not for a drink of water. He asked for just, just a touch of water. Now listen, I don't know a whole lot about, about water except for it does quench my thirst. It's got to be hot down there. He said, just take the tip of your finger and then take it and dip it and let, let it hit my tongue. Now if you take it and you, bring, you, you, you take the, the, your finger and you dip it in water to about right there on that knuckle, you get about six or seven drops. He said, just take the tip. Anything. I'll take anything. Any type of relief. It's a place where there's no relief. There's no, there's no beginning of any type of relief. It is a real place that you go to when you die. If you do not have the blood of Jesus applied to your life, I say tonight, we need to help a brother out of hell. We need to help people... Know that, that they don't have to go to hell. Amen. We sung earlier, I'm not going to hell. It's something to shout about. Amen. It's, and let me tell you how, you how you can get hell insurance, so to speak. It's, it's by repenting and calling on the Lord Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Do you realize that 2,000 years ago that God up in heaven left everything he left everything and he wrapped himself in humanity and he was born of a virgin. Amen. He was a hundred percent man. He was a hundred percent God. He was the perfect spotless Lamb of God. And he went up on a cross at a hill called Calvary and he said he willingly shed his blood on that old rugged cross 
for you and I. You say, preacher, why did he do that? Why did he shed his blood? Well, let me tell you, the, uh, Romans 3 says, the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life. He had to die. Something had to die. Before Jesus, they would take different kinds of animals and they would cut them open and they would... They would, they would spill blood over an altar. They would have sacraments. They would do these things to atone for the blood. But may I say tonight that when Jesus went up on that cross of Calvary, He shed the last blood that we will ever need. Amen. And whenever He was up on that cross, you were on His mind. Whenever He was on that cross, He cried out, It is finished! To not shed blood anymore. Amen. You owe a debt. It's sin. You were born a sinner. Everyone's born a sinner. Even my precious baby back there is born a sinner. Y'all say she's pretty. She's so sweet. No, she's a viper and a diaper. Amen. I love her to death. But no, seriously, seriously, church. That baby, both my babies is going to reach a point of, a, of the age of accountability where they're going to realize, hey, I am lost. Now I'm in need of a Savior. We, Raylan... Honestly, he's been picking up on all this stuff. Let me say this. This ain't in my notes, but I'll just go ahead and say this. I believe that, that young kids don't necessarily need Sunday school. They still need the preaching of the Word of God. Amen. Listen, we, we've, we've indoctrinated ourselves into thinking that, that these kids don't understand what we're talking about. i tell you what. That boy's got, got a, a memory of an elephant. We could be riding in the car five months from now, and he can bring up what I said. He can, he's listening. These kids are listening. If you're around kids, tell them about Jesus. Amen. They're listening. And God can save them. Amen. Hey man, anyways, I wasn't even in my notes. Golly, bum. But listen, you have a debt that you owe, and you cannot pay it. Why? Because our righteousness are filthy rags. That's what God compares them to. Alright? We cannot do it on our own. Salvation is a free gift of God. You cannot work for it. You cannot earn it. Amen. Let people know that they don't have to go to hell. They can go to heaven instead. Number two, help a brother out of their iniquity. What's iniquity, preacher? Iniquity is defined as being wicked or immoral in nature or character. Here's some scripture. You know, I'm an old-fashioned independent Baptist. We, we preach Bible, amen. So here's some Bible to go along with that. Matthew 7, verses 1 through 5 says, Judge not that ye be judged. Now, don't stop there. What it's setting up is it's not saying don't judge nobody. It's telling you how to judge them. Now, when I say judge, that's not like an arbitrator where you pick whether they're guilty or not. What it is is making a judgment. Uh, what, taking your, your analyzing, if you will. Verse 2, verse 1, judge not that ye be judged. Verse 2, for with that judgment ye judge, ye shall be judged. And with what measure ye meet, it shall be measured unto you. If you go around and, and, you, and you're pointing to somebody and say they got a problem with cussing, well, you best not be cussing, amen. If you go around and they got a problem with pornography, you best not be watching pornography. If you go around and they got a problem with smoking or drinking or whatever it is, you best not be doing that. Hey man, 
if not, if you if you are, it's going to be measured right back at you. You've heard the saying, "Well, that's the pot calling the kettle black." Make sure you're right with God. Now, like, let's see what the Bible says. Verse three, and why beholdest thou moat? And why beholdest thou the moat that is in thy brother's eye, and considerest not the beam that is in thine own eye? Or how wilt thou say to thy brother, Let me pull out the moat of thine own eye, and behold, a beam is in thine own eye? Thou hypocrite! First cast out the beam of thine own eye. Then thou shalt see clearly to cast out the moat of thy brother's eye. What does that mean? In good old-fashioned Henrietta Hick talk. Well, I'm glad you asked. All right, I can help you out real good right there. It's like this. If I've got a big old 4x4 four four sticking out of my eye, I ain't likely going to be able to see you or the pulpit in front of me. But I happen to see the sawdust speck in your eye. Now, believe it or not, I worked in the sawmill. That was, that was one of the first jobs I ever had. That was the toughest job I have ever had. And them sawdust specks, they're, they're nasty when they get in there. Especially when they saw on that red oak. Oh my goodness, that stuff's so fine, you can't hardly breathe. That's some, that's some hard work right there. Some of you old timers might know, I ain't going to point around a whole lot what I'm talking about. You get the saw and get messed with that old stuff. That stuff right there, it's nasty, it hurts, it stings, but hey, you can still see a little bit, so it's blurry. But if I got a 4x4 in my eye, Listen, y'all might not have heard it preached this way before. I can't see real good, can I? That means I have to go looking really hard to find a speck of sawdust in somebody else's eye. Because how you gonna see? How can you see a speck of sawdust from from me to you, brother Craig? I can't. If you had a speck of sawdust in your eye, I couldn't see it from here, and I can see pretty good. Imagine if I had a four by four beam in my in my in my face right here. That means I gotta be looking intently. Oh, I done circled right back around to where we started. I got to go looking for trouble. I got to go looking for some dirt on you. You see, you see what the Bible's saying? Don't go looking for dirt on others till you get the dirt off out of your own life. Amen. Don't go, don't go looking to casting stones until you know you're completely right with God. Don't go looking around because you've got this big beam in your eye that you don't want to be alone. I know misery loves company. Misery loves company. But don't go looking for it. Get right with God yourself. Thou hypocrite is what the Bible says. When you do that, when you get right with God in your own life, then God will fill you with His Spirit. God will be able to produce fruit of meekness, of joy. He will be able to help you. And that Spirit is going to overflow. The Holy Ghost of God is just going to shine through you. And the light of Jesus is going to shine. People are going to know where to turn to. You see, in a dark world, the darker it is, the brighter the light shines. If you've got that light shining and someone's in the dark and they're desperately looking for Jesus, they're going to run to you. They're going to seek your help. And when they do come to you, put aside your pride if you have any and help them. Because listen, 
I'm not saying we should go out and live in sin just, just to get a taste of it so we, can, so we can help people. But listen, if you have fallen in sin, God may have allowed that to happen just so you can help the next person. Amen. Just so you can help the next person down the line and tell them how you got out of it. When, whenever hardships come and, and, and they will come, God may allow you to go through that so you can help someone. Listen, if you're going through hard times at home and you can't pay the bills, don't withdraw that from your kids. No, what you do is tell your kids or whoever it may be, look, mom and daddy going through a hard time. And then when God comes through, you tell them how Jesus was right on time, how He paid that bill, how it came through, and it's by the grace of God. Amen. That's what you do. Help a brother out of iniquity. Because here's the thing, us Baptists are so guilty of doing so often is we're just going to see where he's at and we're going to run up and kick him while he's down and say, bless God, I ain't like that. Mm, I told you I'm going for the juggler tonight. Y'all ain't got to like it. I was invited to preach, amen. Listen, I'm trying to help you. Let me help you, okay? Help them. Help them. Number three. My last point. Help a brother out of condemnation. A lot of times, we can, as Christians, walk around and we go through the motions. We, we come to church Sunday night, Sunday morning, Sunday night, Sunday night, prayer meeting, Wednesday night, whenever, and we get a little worn out. And we start to feel guilty about it because, Lord, I'm just tired. Or why do I feel this way? Uh, or we may be traveling on and, and things come up in our lives and we feel really bad for it. And we start to live under condemnation. Let me explain to you why that is. Because we've bought this lie here in American Christianity that our good deeds need to outweigh our bad deeds. Even after salvation, we still believe that, that our good deeds need to, out, need, need to outweigh our bad deeds. We, we understand this as, as Bible believers, that salvation is in faith alone and Christ alone, okay? It is not faith plus works, okay? Uh, the truth is, the truth is this, is, is faith equals salvation. And salvation will equal good works. And what I mean by that is, you don't do good works to get saved. You do good works because you are saved. With that being said, Sometimes you're not always going to do good works. Sometimes, sometimes you're just going to be in a season of sitting back a little bit and just being still in the Lord. That's okay. You don't have to work your rear end off. Jesus has already paid the, paid the penalty. Sometimes it's okay just to sit back on the pew every now and then and take it in because God not, might, might have you in a season of receiving. My, God might have you in a, in a season of getting you ready to go out onto the front lines. Or maybe you've been on the front lines and you're getting tired and you're like, Lord, I feel so bad because I'm getting tired from all, from all this that I'm doing in your name. It's okay. Do not fall under that condemnation. That is a lie straight from the devil. Amen. Listen, I know this ain't, I know this ain't popular preaching. Amen. And that's all right. I've been kicked out of meetings before. I've been asked not to come back. Matter of fact, just a few months ago, I was sat down and politely asked not, not to preach again. I tell you what, the Southern Baptist Convention around here probably won't even let me lead in a silent prayer, amen. And that's all right, but I'm just going to go with God. So how do we help a brother out of condemnation? Remind them of the gospel. 
Remind them of Jesus. Sometimes we just got to be reminded of that grace, of the grace of God, it's unmerited favor. Sometimes we just got to be reminded that even on the days that we don't feel saved, bless God, the blood's been applied. And it's all right. It's okay. It's all right. We don't have to work ourselves to the bone. First Peter says this, chapter 1, 18 through 20. He says this, For as much as you know, this will help you some, this will help some of you tonight. For as much as you know that you are not redeemed with corruptible things. God did not redeem us with corruptible things, such as gold and silver, from your vain conversation received after the traditions from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ, as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. Here it is. The blood of Jesus never perishes. But you know what does perish? Corruptible things is silver and gold. As precious as silver and gold, the blood of Jesus never perishes over your life. If it's been applied, it's still applied. Amen. The blood of God is perfect. Listen, you realize this? That whenever you've been blood washed, you're accounted as perfect because God is perfect? That's the way He sees you. You see, you can go around and ask people, are you good? Well, yeah, I'm good. I do good things, really. There's one standard of good. And His name is the Lord Jesus Christ. If I'm any good at all, it's because of who I am in Christ. Outside of Christ, I am wicked. I am defiled. I'm rotten. I'm good for nothing. I'm nasty. I'm vile. I'm the wretch that the song talks about, amen? Outside of Christ. Sometimes... To help a brother out of condemnation, we have to be reminded of our identity in Christ. In Christ, I'm spotless. In Christ, I'm blameless. In, in Christ, I'm a child of the one true King. No matter what the world says, the world can say some nasty things about you. But I've got, I've got some good stuff. My goodness, please tell me I didn't... I didn't leave it out. I know I got it here in my notes. Here it is. This is what happens whenever you're when you're sin when you give your sins to Jesus. This is what the Bible says. As far as the east is from the west, so far hath he removed our transgressions from us. As far as the east is to the West. Hebrews 8 says this, For I will be merciful to their unrighteousness and their sins and iniquities while I remember no more. Amen. Listen, if you've been blood washed and born again, Jesus took care of your sins. When you come to an old-fashioned altar and you get right with God, Jesus takes care of it right then and there. Tonight, 
If you have anything to confess to God and you come to this old-fashioned altar or wherever you may be and you give it to God, guess what He does with it? He casts it as far as the east as to the west and He doesn't remember it no more. He doesn't remember it no more. You get a clean slate every time you go to the Father. The Bible says, whoever comes unto me, I will in no wise cast out. You ain't done a sin so rotten, so nasty that you cannot go back to God and say, God, forgive me. God, help me. I need your help. And when you do, He's going to cast it as far as the east is to the west. i got a question for you tonight. Why is it that whenever people come down and they get right with God, we want to bring it up? We want to bring their sin right back up to them and throw it right back in their face. When God Almighty done cast it as far as the east is to the west, where He remembers it no longer, what gives us the right to play God? Help a brother out of condemnation. We need to remind them of grace. Romans 6, 23. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God through Jesus Christ. But the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. Ephesians 2, 8. For by grace are you saved through faith. Not of yourselves, it is a gift of God. Here's the thing. We deserve. I'm going to tell you what we deserve. I'm going to be real. Is that okay? I've been real tonight. I'm going to be real. You know what we deserve? You know what I deserve? You know what we deserve? Death. We deserve death. We don't even deserve to go to heaven. Oh, no. But grace. But grace was extended from God. From Jesus on the cross at Calvary. See, it's all about the blood. It's all about... That's why I went on a rant earlier about, about them trying to replace the blood. I'm going to say this. This ain't in my notes either. It wasn't the death of Jesus, you reformers out here. It was the blood of Jesus that saves us, that cleanses us from all unrighteousness. We deserve death, but we got grace. What is grace? It's unmerited favor. There's nothing I could do. There's nothing I can do. To earn this favor. Grace. It's unmerited favor. When God sees me, I'm blameless. I'm blessed and I'm highly favored. Salvation's a gift. You cannot earn it. Christmas time. We love Christmas time. Mostly for the gifts. Let's just be honest. We know the real, we know the real reason. Birthday comes around. What do, what do we like to see? We like to see gifts. Well, here's the thing. Brother Justin... If your birthday rolls around and you get a package in the mail, um, give me your address later, you know what I mean? And you get a package in the mail and, and, you, and you say, hey, I've got a gift. It's from somebody. What does that mean? It's yours. It's yours. You do with it as you will. Brother Justin, if I send him a gift in the mail for his birthday, he does not have to open it. But if he chooses to, he can see what's on the inside. And whatever it may be, I know it will bring him joy and happiness. Whatever it may be. Here's the thing, folks. Jesus has given you a gift. He paid your sin debt on the cross at Calvary. It is a gift. And tonight he is extending it to you. It's already been paid for. It's already been sent in the mail. It's faster than express delivery. Amen. It was paid 2,000 years ago. It's a gift. 
Tonight, all you've got to do is open it. How do you open it? Call on Him as Lord and Savior. Repent. Give your heart to Christ. That is the gift of God. Give your heart to Christ. What makes a Christian? It's not faith plus good works. It's faith alone and Christ alone. Listen. These are my three points of helping a brother out. And I'm going to ask Brother Craig to come up here and Brother David to come up here. And I'm going to give you the opportunity. They're going to give you the opportunity to pray. Whether you be right there, whether you come to this old-fashioned altar, thank God for an old-fashioned altar where broken ones pray to find what is found in no other way. Amen. There's some things going on in your life. I don't know what it is. Get right with God tonight, Brother, Brother Craig, as you can.